Well, if you have your Bibles, if you'll come with me to uh, 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning. Um, we began uh, 2 Timothy about a month ago, and then we had uh, three or four uh, interruptions by our sponsor. Uh, we had some other things that we wanted to cover last week. We covered um, uh, leadership in the church and what that looks like. And so uh, it's, it's amazing. I, we covered uh, verses 1 and 2 when we began Second Timothy. And uh, God's word is so rich that as part of the preparation for verse 3 and moving on, I took another look at verses 1 and 2 and I said, wow, this is just, this is great. You know, why didn't I emphasize this the last time? And God's word is so rich that you can read a section of scripture, you know, a couple months ago or a year ago, and you change, your heart changes, your circumstances change, and, and God's word comes alive and speaks in a way that you're just, it's astounding. And when I came back and looked at just these two verses again, um, I was really impressed by how Paul deals with the difficulties that he's facing, how specifically he deals with it. Uh, we note from the last time we visited 2 Timothy that Paul's in prison. He knows because of the activities of Nero that his time is coming to a close on this earth. And so he pens a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, would you please come and, and be with me because my time is short. And by the way, would you bring my cloak because it's cold? And would you bring the parchments because I want to read more of God's word? And uh, how Paul, uh, say, preaches to his own heart in the midst of difficulties is the takeaway that I had this week. And it's the takeaway I want to suggest for you is that when you're in the midst of um, anxiety or, or uh, challenges of life, uh, to speak the gospel to your own heart in such a way that brings stability and strength and joy and provides a way through the midst of the storms of life that keeps you anchored to Christ and the gospel and turns what could be something that is devastating to your life, turns it in such a way that it becomes transformational that makes you more like Christ. That's what Paul does in, in just these two verses, and not even the entire two verses. We just look at, you know, two little sections. Um, as you know, I live, in, um, I live on the water now. I live in, uh, by Salem Harbor. And uh, we sang a song here this morning about the raging seas. Well, I've never really, I think, seen raging seas like I saw this week when you have 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds whipping through the cove and you have two, three foot swells in what is really a safe place, but you go out into the harbor and it was extraordinary. Uh, the the wave activity, and there was uh, a half a dozen boats, two of them being 
you know, hundred, uh, sailboats that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they became untethered from their mooring. Their, the line that attached them to their mooring broke, and the waves threw them into the rocks. Uh, and when you, when you look at these sailboats, everything is good from, from the waterline up, and everything is destroyed from the waterline down. And it serves as a, an analogy of what happens when the storms and difficulties of life come. And in, in Paul's case, he, he preaches the gospel to his own heart, and he processes it through. Well, this, this storm and the damage to the sailboat shows that, you know, if we're not anchored in Christ and anchored to the gospel, the top deck can look fine, but everything is a wreck and devastated deep within our soul where, where peace evades us, where the lies of the enemy penetrate and incapacitate us. And so Paul is, uh, models for us, displays um, his heart and his life in such a way that it's hopeful to me to, uh, to emulate, to model my life after him. And, and, and so the teaching this morning is really an invitation that if you're going through these turbulent times, or, or if you're not, uh, praise the Lord, uh, you can pray for the rest of us, but uh, if you're going through turbulent times, you know, to, how to prepare your heart for the eventuality of those ups and downs that life will bring us. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at two little sections and see how the Apostle Paul uh, navigates difficulty by really proclaiming and speaking the gospel uh, into his own heart and his own life. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, grow through the study of the Word of God. We thank you for the gift, uh, the grace that the Word of God brings into our hearts and our lives. And, and Lord, as we look at these couple of verses, word by word, not even verse by verse, but Lord, but word by word, Lord, I pray, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts in such a way that it would produce confidence in you a stability of spirit, uh, that the peace of God would envelop us in such a way that it would bring joy to our hearts and our lives, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we come to this first phrase. We're going to look at two phrases. Um, verse 1, the second half. Verse 2, the same. In verse 1, Paul says this, the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. The promise of of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And this phrase is a summary of the gospel. Paul uh, de uh, describes the gospel in this phrase in such a unique way that maybe you can find it, but I can't find this phrase used anywhere else in the New Testament. And, and yet in the most difficult times that he's facing, God is, the Holy Spirit is revealing to him the depth of the gospel message and Paul speaks this certainly to Timothy, but he's speaking it out of the abundance of his heart. He's speaking the gospel to his own heart and to Timothy and to the people around him. 
And when we pass out each word, we come to the first one, which is promise. And Paul uses a particular word choice here that has to do with the evangel. And Paul is proclaiming, in the midst of his difficulties, he's proclaiming the, the, the reality of the benefits that come from salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what he's proclaiming. The word promise here has that same connotation as being a herald. And in the midst of the difficulties of life, he, he echoes Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? And forget not all his benefits. And so the Apostle Paul, from the very beginning... Of his, of his letter is saying, I'm grabbing hold of the promises and the benefits that come through Christ Jesus as my, as my Savior. He does this more, say, precisely um, in Romans chapter uh, 10. Come there with me. Romans chapter 10. I'll wait for you a second. And, and the Apostle Paul comes... In Romans chapter 10, we could start in, or we could start in verse 8 with a, with a question, a rhetorical question. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And so the gospel message is about this promise of transformation. That when, that when we come to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't stay the same. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. I was uh, talking with Nancy this week, and we were talking about the difficulties that people face. And, and some of the horrendous things that 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 people in, endure or, or, or put on other people. We came to this place, except the hand of God come into the person's heart, come into the person's life. There's no what? There's, there's no hope and there's no, there's no lifelong change. And so Paul recalls the promise. He, he, he expounds the promise that, that comes when Christ comes into our heart, and comes into our life. He does it in a, a little bit different way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Come there with me. It's, this is a great, if, if you're into underlining in your Bible, this is underlined in my Bible because it's a tremendous verse that, that helps us to understand the power of appropriating the promises of God in the midst of the things that we go through life. A few times in the last couple of years, I've handed out this little promise, like a hundred promises in the Bible, and it's an awesome little book, but none today, I'm sorry to say. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes this, for all the promises of God, find there, in the King James, I think it's yea and amen. For all the promise of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. This is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. 
And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. That, that part's to come in our text. And has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? As a guarantee. Understanding these promises. Understanding that we have been changed from the inside out. Understanding that walking in these promises brings glory to God. Understanding the truth that the Holy Spirit resides within the believer's heart brings glory to God and, and stabilizes us through it. Do you know that, the, that when we look at all the promises or we look at all the ministry of Jesus, Jesus spoke to his disciples, came right up alongside them and had lunch with them and spoke with them. And the Holy Spirit stands in the same proximity to us as Jesus did with the disciples. Matter of fact, I'd go so far to say that the Holy Spirit is in greater proximity to us than Jesus is. And when we grab a hold of the promises of the benefits of salvation, it brings a stability, it brings a peace, it, it brings a hope in the midst, and that hope anchors us to Christ in the midst of the difficulties. Second word that we can see that Paul expounds upon, he says, he says this, the promise of the what? The life. And life here points to the life which is real, uh, the life that is genuine, a life active, a vigorous life, devoted to God, blessed abundantly as we put our trust in Christ. The only real life we have as, as believers is defined by who we are in Jesus Christ. And so when we're going through the difficulties of life, when the challenges of life come and, and we default towards anxiety or we default towards uh, how they say this down south is fretting, if we, if we default towards fretting and anxiety, we're defining our life not by the fact of who we are in Christ, but by the fact of who we are in our own strength. And so maturity, as we see Paul's going to get to this, he's going to say to the promise of the life that is found where? In Christ Jesus. That when we're going through the difficulties and challenges of life, we define who we are at our core, not by who we think we are are not by, and other people are quite, you know, they're quite liberal in defining who they think we are, you know, but, but we define who we are based upon who God says we are in Jesus Christ. And maturity and growth and spiritual, spirituality is, is evident by that when we're going through life, we define ourselves by who we are in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul even says, look, you judge me, it's no big deal. I don't even judge my own heart. And what Paul's saying there is that, that even his inner judgments about himself, he chooses not to do so because his identity and who he truly is and his true destiny is not found within himself, praise the Lord. His identity is found and his future is found in who he is in Christ. And who we are in Christ is, is our destiny and what God is truly doing in our heart. That's why Paul can come 
to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I think it's verse 14, Paul says, man, these, these afflictions are but a, they're but a vapor. They're momentary because God is working in eternal weight of glory in my heart. And so Christian maturity is about grabbing hold of the promises. It's about grabbing hold of what really is life and choosing to define ourselves not based upon circumstances, but, uh, but based upon that God says, you are my child. We sang a song like that this morning. It's amazing, the sequence of songs. That we're defined, that we are a child of God, that his spirit re resides within us, and he'll never leave us. And that is what to lean into rather than the anxiety and the difficulties and the challenges that we have in life. Jesus does, Jesus communicates this in such a remarkable way in John chapter 10. Uh, come there with me, John, John chapter 10. And um, uh, uh, take, a, take a look at uh, uh, verse 7, John chapter 10, verse 7. So, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. See, we have to train our minds and our heart who we listen to because the enemy wants you to believe that you're really not loved by God. As a matter of fact, that's probably the first thing he goes after. Oh, you're not really you're not, you're not worthy. You're not loved by God. You know, all this that's happened in your life, it's, it's, it's because he's after you and you deserve it. And, you know, uh, you know, the abuse you're going through, oh, you really deserve it. You brought it on yourself. And it's such a lie from the pit. And we have to choose who we listen to. The word of God speaks to our heart to strengthen us to bring us joy, to bring us victory in our life. The Word of God doesn't speak to us to pull us down and, and to destroy. That's the work of who? That's the work of the enemy. And so Jesus says that to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have what? True life. Abundant life. Which is not a word faith creation of no difficulty and no trial and, and, and uh, no shaping and no molding and, and it's a name it and claim it and some voodoo type of witchcraft. It's nothing like that. It's that in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the difficulties, there's victory. Even Jesus, even Jesus when he's going through his most difficult times, as Hebrew tells us, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Not removed from it. It was the joy, it was the expectation of the fulfillment of the promise that he would be with the Father again. And the Father would look at him and say, well done. You've accomplished my purposes. Paul points us to the promise 
of true life that's found in Christ and Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, real life is only accessible to those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so change and spiritual growth comes through a relationship with Christ. In John 14, 6, you know the verse very well. What does it say? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And so what Paul does in the midst of his difficulties, in the midst of his prison, in the midst, you know, of his desire uh, for fellowship with Timothy, what Paul does in essence is he speaks the gospel into his own heart. And when I'm in the, the muck and mire, when my own internal world is flip-flopping around like one of those boats, you know, up and down, spinning around, the anchor is found in who we are in Christ, who I am in Christ. The safety is found in trusting Christ to work. The security is found in the promise that he's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. The second part of our teaching is it found in verse 2. Paul says, grace and mercy and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace, they're like our daily nourishment. Grace, mercy, and peace are, are the, the daily uh, nourishment that, that we need as believers in Christ. When I went to uh, my primary care this couple years ago, he goes, you know, you got to, you got a vitamin D deficiency. You know? <laughs> he goes, you need to get Centrum, you know, for men, like the one for the old guys, because they got a good supply of vitamin D in it. Grace and mercy and peace. Those are the vitamins that we need to daily nurture ourselves in the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Grace is needs to be... <laughs> Some of you that know me know this well. Grace needs to be appropriated each and every day because grace is what God gives us. It's, it's what we don't deserve. And, and I could say, I could summarize it in my own life, is that, is that what, what I don't deserve is forgiveness. But that's what Jesus gives me each and every day. It's when... It's what those that love me have to give me, sometimes every other hour, forgiveness. But grace and forgiveness, you, you have to drink of that every day. It's like coffee. Coffee never gets old to me. Like the brothers were around the coffee pot, and they say, oh, I don't think you should have any more. You probably had two or three. I said, <laughs> number four. <laughs> grace is, is it. It, it, it'll, it frees up our heart to lean into the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And to, to take each day and, and, and appropriate the free gifts that, that the Lord gives us. That is what keeps us centered. Like one of my favorite verses that, that I have to, you have your own, 
That's the beauty of God's word. He speaks to each one of us in the ways that we need. But 1 John chapter 1 is, is a cornerstone of my daily need for grace and daily encouragement to, to go for it too. Um, come there with me. First uh, John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in, in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then John talks about our humanity, my humanity. He says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and what? The truth is not in us. So we are designed to be receptacles for the grace of God. Except there's a problem. We're made more like a calendar, a colander. Did I get that right? A strainer. Some of you are saying, what is a colander? What is he talking about? We're, we're made, we, yeah, we leak. And we are continually encouraged to go to God for grace. Because he doesn't withhold it towards those that cry out to him. He's not a stinge when it comes to grace. Look at the next verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And we are made for the grace of God. And relationships that we share with one another, that we share with our spouse, is that they are, is they are so fueled and nurtured by the grace of God when we forgive each other, when we repent from the heart and receive forgiveness from the heart. That's why Paul, over and over again, reminds us of grace. Second thing he reminds us of, of our daily nutrients that we need to keep a vibrancy with Jesus Christ is mercy. Mercy frees us not from the consequences of sin, but from the, but from the misery that accompanies it. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Lamentations 3.22, Ephesians 2.4, Titus 3.5. Oh, but for the mercy of God upon my life. His mercies are renewed every single morning. And boy, does, does Eddie Conway need them. His mercies, keeping the consequences from my life. His, his good hand, his, his, his fatherly hand upon my life. Peace, the third one, is, is, is the result of grace and mercy. It, 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 the best picture I can think of peace is when I look at my, my own grandbabies and see them snuggling in their mother's arms at peace and at rest. Some of them are, you know, Lucas is eight, still snuggles up. Madison, she's just a love bug. Uh, Teal, I think you'd have to Maybe duct tape her down. <laughs> and then Artie, I, I don't think he's ever 
going to lose that pacifier. He loves snuggling. And it's that quality of rest that the Lord wants to bring into our hearts and lives. And so every day, we need to feed ourselves and treat ourselves as the Lord would treat us with grace and mercy and let that peace of God, Colossians 3, be the umpire that calls the balls and strikes, that keeps us centered on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In closing this morning, I'll offer you three sets of scripture that I looked at this morning. It was part of my morning devotional, so I just wrote it in to the bottom of my notes. And it's remarkable, uh, morning devotions, when you read them. It's just astounding how it speaks to you in the moment or something comes along in the day that makes it pop, makes it real. But what is... What does it look like in real, real time? How did Jesus relate to people? Um, John 4, 7 through 26. We, we won't read them, but how he related to the Samaritan woman comes to the well. She's an out, you know, Samaritan's, you know. What is a, what is a, what is a rabbi got to do talking to a Samaritan woman? And, and he offers her, he offers, his, offers her uh, living, Right? living water. And she, she's like, whoa! She runs into the neighborhoods and says, he's told me everything. Remarkable. How about Luke 19, 1 through 10, uh, the tax collector, shunned. Uh, by the way, in, in one of my versions, it says the tax collector was a Republican. I don't know if that helps you or not. <laughs> Kathy P. feels gone. It's not in God's word, Edward. Uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10. And how about the John 8, 1 through 11? The, the adulterous woman. I mean, if you drill down on those, you'll see how Jesus would wants to relate to you. How he wants to come into your life. How he came into Paul's life. And the value that Paul found. And not only proclaiming the gospel to the world around him, but the value of proclaiming the gospel to his own heart. Amen? We get to close with the Lord's table this morning, and, and uh, I can't think of a better way to close uh, on the Lord's day than reminding us of the life that we have in Christ Jesus and the grace and the mercy and peace that comes to us through Christ. That's what the table's all about. So take a minute and prepare your hearts. We'll share the Lord's uh, table together. There'll be some folks off to the side that would be glad to pray for you this morning. We're here for you. And if you are in, a, in that hard place in life, let us pray for you. Let us come alongside you and um, partner with you in asking God to bring his grace and his mercy and his peace into your situation today.